Julie's here and and I'm here, which means we have three dogs in the vicinity. So this is gonna be fun. <laughs> yep. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Real Talk, your one-stop shop for all the latest Hollywood news, trailers, and film reviews. I'm your host, Joseph Kaufman. We got uh, Julie Chapik in the uh, in the crowd with us today. In the crowd? I don't want to be in the crowd. <laughs> a crowd of one. <laughs> it's literally a crowd of one. Peter is not here. Peter is not and here. It's really sad. We've so long. Yep, we've we've talked about how we will act if this day ever came, uh, where where Peter is not here, and uh, that day has come, and Peter is not here, and now we have to figure out how to operate without Peter. I don't know if we'll make it, but we'll try. <laughs> we won't. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do our we best. We miss you, Peter. We'll, I miss we'll, you, Peter. We'll crash and burn. Uh, Anyway, yes, we are we are back with a normal episode after uh, talking to Diane Paragas, uh, the director of Yellow Rose, last week, which we were very, 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 very excited to do. Definitely check that episode out if you haven't already, and if you have already, you should listen to it again because it's awesome. Uh, I, I actually have a little story uh, that uh, I wanted to mention at some point. I'll just mention it right off the bat. Uh <laughs> I saw Official Secrets in L.A. last week, um, or last weekend, uh, with a Q&A afterwards with the director, uh, Gavin Hood, which was very interesting. And I love I love going to the landmark in L.A. and uh, uh, checking out Q&As with uh, directors, actors, producers, etc. Um, they're always very interesting. And uh, he, at one point, Gavin Hood mentioned uh, that they filmed Official Secrets, uh, which uh, is the... British uh, intelligence film starring Kira Knightley. Uh, I'll talk about it in a bit, but um, yeah, it stars Kira Knightley, and they filmed the whole thing in 39 days, and everyone was like, "Oh wow, that's so cool!" And like, that is an objectively amazing feat to film to shoot a film in 39 days. But uh, Yellow Rose has set the standard for her for shooting films because they shot their film. Uh, Diane and, and the crew shot it in 19 days. So nowadays, I hear I hear 39 days, and I'm just like. You could do better. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 ordinary. <laughs> but for real, we are very thankful to Diane for coming on the uh, our little pod uh, last week and talking about her amazing film. Uh, do check that out. This week, though, we're back to your normally scheduled programming. Uh, we have a bunch of trailers, bunch of uh, we're gonna to go through. We're gonna talk about it, Chapter Two, and of course, Official Secrets and the Farewell. Uh, both f- films I got to see while I was out in L.A. Uh, also going to be talking of news, including and especially the film festivals going on right now, including uh, Toronto, Venice, and Telluride. Uh, two of those three are still ongoing. Venice has concluded. We'll be talking about all of that. But first things first, trailers. Uh, there's a bunch of them. I'm just going to kind of run through all of them and uh then we'll talk about some of the ones that we were really stoked about uh first and foremost bad boys for life uh we got the first trailer for the the sequel that i don't know if anybody actually wants this sequel this bad boy sequel but we're getting it and uh it's coming and the first trailer came out and it's it's pretty much exactly like bad boys but 
whatever, 20 years later. Uh, also trailers for Lucky Day, Black Christmas, The Great Alaskan Race, Jojo Rabbit, Jexy, Gretel and Hansel, Hustlers, uh, which looks amazing, and I can't wait for that. That actually comes out this week. Uh, Hustlers does. Uh, it stars Jennifer Lo- uh, J-, J Lo, Jennifer Lopez, and it looks amazing. Uh, also Scarborough, Just Mercy, Waves. We got our final trailer for Joker. Uh, also our first trailer for the Laundromat, uh, as well as the Aeronauts. Uh, both are look to be uh, awards contenders, as well as Joker for that matter. Um, also the final trailer for Lucy in the Sky, the first trailer for Timothy Chalamet's new upcoming film on Netflix, The King, uh, as well as a new trailer for Terminator Dark Fate, and the first trailer for The Spy. Um, I, I kind of hit on a couple of those while I was going through them, but the one I'm most stoked about continues to be Lucy in the Sky. Um, those trailers have all been amazing. That first trailer is still my number one trailer of the year. Uh, I'm very, very stoked for this film. And the more the story is kind of unveiled in these trailers, the more, the more hyped I am because it seems like it's like a, how do you readjust to life on earth after being out in space and like witnessing the vast, amazing nothingness that is space and like having to readjust to your small little life on earth. Uh, And it stars Natalie Portman and it looks like it's super psychological and trippy. And you know, the fact that it's, I mean, it, it just, it looks great. I'm very, very, very hyped. Uh, But Julie, what are you most hyped about? Um, well, a lot of the trailers this week are really good. However, Jexy came out of nowhere. I love Adam Levine. Um, and it's interesting because I, I don't know about you, but I can kind of relate with the whole situation that he runs into. I have two phones, (laughs) one for work, one for personal. Um, and without like Siri and Alexa, I don't want to say it too loud. It triggered. Hold nice. On. Nice. <laughs> See. Um, but without those things, I feel like I can't function anymore. And I don't know how to, how I functioned before that. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun to see like how she controls his life and how that evolves through him, you know, meeting someone and relationships and things like that i think it's very it's it's very interesting because it's very true to the day and age that we're in right now like i think back 20 years and i'm like oh well i lived without all these things but now i am standing in the kitchen and i say blah blah blah, set a timer for 10 minutes and it does and i don't have to you know push a button or anything like that so the just change in times it's very interesting so i I'm excited to kind of see it and see how how he adjusts. I can imagine that it's one of those things where it makes you think and maybe put your phones down and go off grid for a little bit. I wish I could do that. <laughs> I really do. I wish I could. It it kind of looks like um, her that film from uh, the Spike Jones film a few years mm-hmm. back um, with with our with our boy. Uh, but uh, yeah, it looks like that, but with. Uh, with Siri having a lot more attitude this time around. Oh yeah, she's, <laughs> she's very sassy and yeah, uh, and obviously it's geared towards more comedy with Adam in it. Um, right. That's just kind of how he is. 
Um, but it's definitely our lives now, so it's kind of fun to see what he ends up doing. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, also, the trailer for Jojo Rabbit is great. Uh, I know if Peter were here, he would probably pick that film to talk about. He definitely would. Yeah, because it looks awesome. And uh, yeah, you should definitely check that one out. But you should check them all out, but that one too. Um, and, you know, this is, I'm getting off track here, but I have to make a comment on the new Terminator Dark Fate trailer. Um, I have very low expectations for that. I, I watched, uh, I've, I've kind of kept up with the Terminator franchise. I did not see the most recent one with uh, Amelia Clark um, that came out a few years ago because it was just basically completely panned and everyone was like, okay, this franchise is dead with this film. Um, the one before that was, I think, Salvation, I think, uh, which I did see and didn't like. Um, but yeah, this this final trailer for Terminator Dark Fate is great, and it's and all of a sudden it kind of piques my interest. And they've been uh, marketing the crap out of the fact that Jordan Cameron's returning, uh, but that that doesn't really. Uh, mean as much to me as the fact that uh what's her name the original sarah connor is back um help me out help help me out um i'm not peter i'm sorry i uh, know i should know her name though linda hamilton linda hamilton is her name um yeah she she's back and that make that to me makes a far bigger difference in the fact that that George, uh, that that james cameron came onto set for a day and got a producer credit and got paid five, ten million dollars for them to advertise the crap out of it, uh, out of that fact. I don't know if that's actually the case or not. I'm just speculating that, you know, that it, that would be very big budget studio like. I would like that. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, right. If only we could be established Holly, uh, white men in the Hollywood film industry. Wouldn't that be nice? I have a long way to go, but you could be there really quickly. <laughs> <I> could try. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, main review here. Uh, it Chapter 2 came out this weekend. I saw it. Julie almost saw it. I thought about it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we couldn't convince her to get over her fear of clowns to go and watch a film all about a crazy evil clown. Um, it's, it's, it's okay. It's fine. It is my well, one. that sounds convincing. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's I, 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 I don't know. As I was watching this this film, that's almost three hours long. It's super, super long. It's two hours and fifty minutes. Which for a horror film, that is like <laughs> that's the, really long. I didn't yeah. expect that. Yeah, most horror films are like 90, 90 minutes tops because you know the honestly the 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 set pieces will will take a lot out of you, especially if they're super suspenseful. They're, it it can be kind of like I, f I usually feel tired after watching a, f a horror film uh, mentally, just because it's it's can, can be a bit of a grind. Um, but yeah, the first it was like two and a half hours. This one's almost three. Uh, and, and the set pieces are very scattered. There's a lot of character building uh, in this film, uh, which, which is fine. That's good. It's nice when you've got you know people like Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, uh, Isaiah Mustafa, and uh, James McAvoy. Uh, is, is that how you say his last name? McAvoy, McAvoy whatever. James. Sounds good to me. The guy, the guy that I always mix up with Edward Norton. I mix those two up. 
all the time, every day for like the last 20 years. I've mixed them up. Um, but, but it says nothing for either of the two of them. They're both they're both great actors they're i and and they're and james is great in this uh it's and i love jessica chastain in this uh it's so it's so great to watch her go through horror set pieces it's really something that i never never thought i would have seen out of her um but i don't know it just it, it's it's bloated it it is definitely overlong it and it essentially does the same thing that the first film does to the point that like even like the characters don't really remember uh the events of the first film because i guess because pennywise has an influence over their brains or something was uh, it to, like a, a you know a brain wipe or whatever memory wipe? kind of it, it <laughs> just but it's it activates when they're in dreary. Um, I was gonna say, is it something like that? It comes back. Yeah, it comes when he back. Wants it to. Well, d- d- yes and no. It, it just comes back when the film wants it to. <laughs> well, <laughs> Essentially, <that's weird. laughs> yeah. yeah. When the film feels like having it come back, it comes back. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just it just kind of makes this film feel like it's doing the exact same thing as the first it, except longer. And at this point, we've had the first it was a colossal success that was kind of not anticipated to be as big of a success as it was. Um, and it and it I think it, it really kickstarted this new Stephen King revival that we're in. There's now been like a kajillion Stephen King adaptations in the last two years. Um, and it just kind of I don't know, just between all of the adaptations and the fact that this film is doing the exact same thing as the as its predecessor just made me feel like that the maybe the first film caught lightning in a bottle that is irreplicable or is just not like like they just didn't get it here again maybe in another sequel if there is another sequel um because let's let's hope not well yeah studios could do whatever they want (laughs) well So for all we know, for all we know, we'll get another it film every two years until we're on, you know, it chapter 10, um, where he's like an old, old clown pushing a walker. Yeah. <laughs> he's waving his walker. It's like a cross between he's, up he's waving and his walker at, 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 the, at the losers club. <laughs> I'm going to get you. <laughs> Slow down though. I feel so fast. <laughs> I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for your meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're crossing like Dennis the Menace, it and up all at the same time. And Scooby Doo. <laughs> yep, yep. That's that's what happens in it. Chapter ten. We're we're calling it now, folks. I might I might go see that one. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. It just it just kind of lost the the pizzazz this time around, and um. So if it were shorter, would it be? Would it have been better? I think so. I think if it had been shorter, because the the other thing, there's a lot of uh, world building source material in this film, and this was one of those books where Stephen King was on multiple drugs as he wrote it, and it's and the source material is objectively not that great. Uh, it, it works because it's a clown, and the clown is terrifying and you know it's and resonates with people because we all have a secret fear of clowns 
Uh, Mine is not a secret. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some some of us have that that fear out in the open. Um, I have a giant sign in the window that says, "If you're a clown, please turn away." (laughs) But here, it just—I don't know. It like, yeah. So they when they when they work on the source material, when they focus on the source material, it's like, okay, this is not we don't have much to go off of let's get to the next set piece let's get to the next uh you know the the next horror set piece and they're they're pretty scattered in this film uh because it's so long you can't have you can't have 25 set pieces in a in a in a horror film like this people would like walk out um but uh yeah i i ended up that's 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 really that's the bulk of it big budget horror is great we need more big budget horror i love watching jessica chastain and james mccavoy playing these roles bill Hader and like being in horror films as do as i love bill Hader as well uh and isaiah mustafa he is uh awesome and charismatic as hell uh come coming from uh look at your man now back to me now back at your man now back to me Sadly, is, he isn't um, me. <laughs> is it like the original, or not the original, but the um, newest It Chapter 1 or whatever it was called? I block it all out. Um, is it available for streaming anywhere? Um, not uh, not for free, but for like okay. four bucks or three bucks. I was um, thinking like in, in a controlled area, you know, aka my living room, where I can lock all the doors and be sure that there's no one coming in or out. I'd probably watch it. There you go, um, yeah. I think I think that's a good good place to start. Honestly, the first I mean the first one is undoubtedly better than the second one. And and I before you say oh if you revisit the first one now you wouldn't like it. I re I did watch the first one on uh, the day before I saw it chapter two and I still really enjoyed it. Uh, so I I don't I don't know maybe maybe it's the kids uh, the 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 bond of the losers club in the first one was more prevalent and the the film was maybe more about their friendship and more like watching the theme of overcoming your fears right uh, and how they survive together and- yeah like that just all kind of makes it work thanks max yeah max uh, <laughs> makes it all work a little more but this time it just it just doesn't work as well um, so I gave it a five out of ten. I think I'm going off my brain, my memory. I think it was around sixty. It was hovering around sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is definitely not as good as the first one. I think the first one's in the in the upper seventies or lower eighties on Rotten on uh, the Rotten Tomato meter, and I gave it an eight. Um, I actually called Pennywise uh, Bill Skarsgård's performance of Pennywise in the first one was one of my best performances of that year. I well, I was comp- him and his brother are amazing yeah yeah and and this time around i think that's another thing this time around pennywise kind of takes a back seat uh he's he's treated as an established entity that is just a big and you know big uh prominent entity that that these these guys like an omnipresent being that they have to kill uh, whereas in the first time the first film he's more or less treated like a, a demented clown uh, which I think maybe that makes a difference too, um, but yeah, five so out of ten. It's fine. Non-existent in the second one. Not. I mean, he's still there, but like, he's not. He's he's not as menacing this time around as he is the first time because the first time you don't necessarily know what he is. 
this time you know what he is. And yeah, but the trailer with the the fun house, that was enough to like. That's no. basically the best scene of the film. Uh, basically, that that and then also Jessica Chastain's interaction with the superficially kind old lady, which was in the first trailer, are the two best scenes of the film. Um, which is also somewhat disappointing. Glad to say I've seen them both. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, yes. Other films I saw this past week because I, I was, I had a chance to go to LA over there this past weekend. Uh, got to see John freaking Williams in person conduct uh, some of his most iconic scores, which was, oh, made me cry. I, I bawled. Uh, when he was playing Marion's theme from Indiana Jones, I just lost it. I was like full bore ugly cry in front of 15,000 other people. I, um, I got to see Emperor, Emperor, Empire Strikes Back um, with the Cleveland Symphony. Yes. Yes. Amazing. They, they just did that here this past weekend. I didn't get the chance to see it, unfortunately. Which oh, is, I know, I'm, I am a little bummed by that because, in my opinion, Episode Five is the best score of all of of all of Star Wars from John it, Williams. It definitely was an experience. Like I had never seen, and apparently they do this every year. Yeah. Um, but I had never seen one, and I'm I will be going next year, hands down. It was amazing. Yeah, I saw uh, them do that with Harry Potter as well as Jurassic Park. That was my first one. And let me tell you. Something to judge. I've never seen Harry Potter. uh, You've never seen any of the Harry Potter films? No, I think I've seen like half of the first one. Well, the first one is the best one. So that's, yeah. I didn't make it very (laughs) far. (laughs) If you weren't weren't feeling it there, you're not going to feel it the rest of the time. Maybe Uh, one day I'll attempt it again. but But yeah. Yeah, I I gotta tell you though, watching Jurassic Park, they actually at the John Williams concert they paired, uh, they did the Dino Discovery scene and paired it with the scene as well. Uh, that uh, that specific moment, John Williams wasn't conducting because he's like ninety two years old or ninety one or something, um, so he couldn't he couldn't conduct the entire experience. But um, uh, I still teared up with the London or the L.A. Philharmonic playing the Jurassic Park like my one of my if not my single most favorite musical sequence in any film the, the that Dino Discovery in Jurassic Park when like and as corny as it is when they're like like shaking their hands with their sunglasses and but this you have this swelling score and the then like the strings come in and it just floors me every single time Max agrees <laughs> yes, he does. Anyway, sidetrack there. But yes, went to LA, got to see that, got to experience that. Uh, also went to the Landmark, uh, which is my favorite movie theater, and got to see Official Secrets, uh, which um, is the new film starring Kira Knightley from Gavin Hood. Uh, as I mentioned I, before, uh, uh, I'm typing this in to get the other names. Matthew Good is in this film. The guy from Doctor Who, um, Ralph Fiennes. Oh wait, wait, that's not Matthew Good. That's Matt Smith, who is in the film and is from Doctor Who. Matthew Good is also in the film. He's not in Doctor Who, but he's been in some other stuff. Um, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Reese. Is it Reese? Reese Fiennes. Uh, if fans, I think. Uh, very British film uh, about the Catherine Gunn, the British intelligence officer who leaked uh, 
a memo from the United States asking Britain to help uh, doctor or, or influence other members of the UN to sign off on their um, uh, on their pact for going to war, which of course they did not do. Um, but that she she leaked this and faced a lot of scrutiny from the British government, and they the government put her through a lot of uh, a wrong her her career and her life across the coals as much as they possibly could. And it's a, it was, it was decent. Uh, it wasn't particularly memorable. It was definitely a film that was meant to be an awards contender, but the, the, uh, the studio saw it and was like, Ooh, like this, this is not going to resonate with people like films like, um, uh, like Roma or, or the shape of water or something, you know, other better, awardsy films uh so we're just gonna dump it in august and hope for the best and just hope that we can make some money uh and uh the director gavin hood has really been promoting it kudos to him he's done multiple multiple q a's at the landmark uh he's like taking up a mini residency at the landmark right now um to talk about this film and it doesn't mean that it was bad i actually i probably liked it better than it chapter two um it just it just it couldn't really decide what it wanted to be. Uh, it, it's like one. Uh, it, it was a multiple stories kind of jammed together, and and the the coherency consistency between the two uh, between the three stories really uh, didn't really happen. So it's like you were very clearly like the first act was story A, the first the the second act was story B, and the third act was story C, and they're just there like there's there's no nothing really tying them together uh except for when when the film when the film is uh clearly trying to force these things tie getting tied together uh or these stories um but yeah otherwise it's just it's just kind of there i mean i i i kind of enjoyed it because of the allure of seeing it at uh the landmark um but that's that's really if I watched it in Cincinnati, I probably would have liked it even less than I did. Um, I think I gave it a six, uh, six out of ten, and it's definitely. I mean, if you're, if it was you're, more environment for you at the at that point. Yeah, it's more environment, and then and then hearing Gavin Hood talk afterwards and <clears throat> talk about working with Kira Knightley, who's, you know, she's Kira Knightley. Speaking of someone who I would love to see in a horror film. Like a super horror horror film. Like, let's get Kira Knightley out there. Let's get Kira Knightley fighting sen- uh, omn- omnipresent beings, please. Um, yeah, not clowns. Let's keep <laughs> the clowns away. Then I'll go see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just uh, the the journal the journalism side was kind of interesting. Uh, that would be uh, Matthew Good and Matt Smith. Uh, working at um, is it the Daily Examiner? I think was the was the paper that they were working at uh, that got that they had to vet. Uh, they found, they got this piece of paper and they had to vet it and they like showed the whole process that a journalist has to do to when they get a damning piece of paper, uh, what they have to do to confirm it's real and that was very fascinating and then how they screwed it up <laughs> they dropped they revealed this thing and it, it immediately got picked apart because the poor copy editor at the paper ran it through spell check and like it corrected certain words to ha- the british spelling of them 
because that's what a British spell check does. And so uh, they, this was coming from the Americans. So it was immediately discredited and disproven by, uh, I think, the Daily Beast, one of those far right uh, news sites that at the time were just kind of starting up uh, when they but they rightfully pointed out its inaccuracies when they're like, uh, this is spelled like the British, how the British would do it, not how the Americans would do it. Y'all done goofed. We got you. <laughs> so that was I felt bad for that copy editor. That that, that sucks. Um, but that was the most interesting part. Uh, Kira Knightley is just kind of there uh, being Kira Knightley and being I mean, it's hard. It, she can't not be great, but she's just very much playing a muddled down version of herself. Um, and then anyway, yeah, the other thing that I saw, which was great. Uh, finally got the chance to see Lulu Wang's The Farewell, uh, which stars uh, Aquafina, and uh, I didn't get the chance to see it at Cincinnati because our lovely indie indie theater here in Cincy played it for like a week, if if that, before um, before dropping it uh, from the theater. So I was busy that week. I didn't get the chance to see it. Uh, but out in LA, they're still playing it, and I even saw it in a room that was like seventy five percent full. Uh, at the Alamo Draft House, uh, it was my first time in, in an Alamo Draft House, um, which was very cool and and fun. Even though their culture sucks, um, <laughs> but we won't we won't talk about that. Um, anyway, yes, the farewell was great. Uh, wonderful, wonderful story. Very fascinating perspective, and the arc Aquafina goes through was uh, was incredible. Uh, and, and very unorthodox for Western audiences. Um, she has to a- accept that in, in China, the family comes first and over personal self-interest and self-preservation. Um, so, and to see her grow into that mindset was, was very fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great. I I loved every second of it. Um, there were a couple things in it that didn't quite work for me. A couple scenes that either went on too long or shots that didn't really make sense. Maybe it will make sense on uh, on on a rewatch, but I definitely do want to rewatch this film. Um, it, it's definitely oh, I could see why it won uh, best of sh- I think it won best of show or best international film at uh, Sundance. Um, I could see why. Uh, I gave it an eight. I think I'm too low on it. I think I should probably up it to a nine uh, because the faults were very minor compared to the overall film. Um, definitely check that out when it when it hits streaming, uh, which it will. I'm sure. I'm, I, I hope that this this hits Netflix and and garners a second life uh, on Netflix. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, before we jump into the news, Julie, do you, do you want to? Uh, uh, talk about anything, sir? Is there? I know you didn't see any films, but do you uh, you want to talk about something? Didn't see any films. Um, I have started watching Glow, which Peter and I have discussed yes. briefly um, in our little group chat. Um, it's so a lot of my friends have watched it, and they have actually watched it through um, the third season. I'm only about eight episodes into the first season, so I haven't entered the second season yet i everyone keeps telling me keep going um it's i like it i mean i don't know what it is i like it about it but i like it um 
And so I'm really enjoying that. It's very light, but different. And I don't know. It's, if anybody's watched it, definitely let us know because I want to hear everyone's um, feelings towards it. Because Joseph, I don't think you've watched it, right? I, I have not had the chance to see it. It is on my list, but my I list is... I feel like is, our lists are so long yeah. that it's like... Peak TV, man. It's so it's hard. It's tough, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I've been watching and in my free time. I don't I don't get a lot of free time, but when I do, <laughs> um, that's what I've been watching. And I really enjoy it. Um, now, with TV all coming back soon, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um you know, all my free time will be split up very, very sparsely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's the one that I'm like, I've even mentioned, I think last week, I was like, someone needs to watch it so I can discuss like, I need one of the two of you to watch it. Um, yeah. So if they're not going to do it, if someone else wants to comment and say, hey, let's discuss, bring it on. I want to talk about it with someone. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, it's definitely, I keep hearing great things about it. Um, I, I have to say, if you're, if we're going to talk about TV for a second, euphoria is still in my conscience. Like I cannot, I cannot overstate how incredible a series euphoria is and how much it blew me away. Like I will continue to hammer that drum anyway. We are going to talk about the film festivals going on right now because even though it's only September 8th and most people aren't thinking about it, we are now in the thick of awards season and I am alive and here for it. <laughs> so uh, three major film festivals have all are either ongoing right now or, or have concluded in the last week or so or less than. Uh, the Toronto International Film Festival, a.k.a. TIFF, uh, Venice Film Festival, which we'll just call Venice, and then also the Telluride Film Festival. Uh, all three of those are going, well, Venice is the one that finished up here, uh, I think just, uh, let's see, these awards were, I think, like, just a couple days ago. Um, yeah, like, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> very recent. Um, and then, yeah, TIFF and Telluride are still ongoing, uh, but the awards for uh, Venice were announced, and Joker, uh, the upcoming DC film uh, starring our boy Joaquin Phoenix and directed by Todd Phillips, won the Golden Lion. This is a very prestigious award. It's very rarely won by a big budget uh, uh, or by like a big studio film. Um, the last two films to win uh, Golden Lion at Venice were The Shape of Water and Roma. Uh, Shape of Water, of course, won Best Picture, and Roma should have won Best Picture. Uh, <laughs> still still salty. Um, so this is a big deal. Uh, this is a huge moment for Warner Brothers and for DC. This is the first uh, time that a superhero film has ever uh, reached uh, or played at Venice, and it then goes and wins Golden Lion. Uh, on the flip side, though, while we're all excited that Joker won Golden Lion, uh, the Grand Jury Prize, a.k.a. second place, went to An Officer and a Spy, which is the new film from none other than Roman Polanski. Yes, that Roman Polanski, the one who would be arrested if he set foot in the United States. Not great, Dan. It's not great. Uh, people are justifiably upset over this, especially since from what I've read about the film, the film is a very 
self-conscious um, experience from Polanski that that is more Polanski making a statement about himself and his current situation in a very unapologetic tone than anything else. And the old white dudes uh, that run Venice decided to give this uh, runner its runner-up prize to really stick it to the Me Too movement. So very disappointed by this. I have no intention of seeing an officer and a spy uh, if it ever makes it to the United States, um, unless I'm just going to hate watch it and trash it uh, in a in a bootleg stream because I'm not going to pay for it, not going to give it any money. Um, but that's about as far as I'm going to get with it. Um, beyond those two. Uh, the films that, uh, the other films that placed, uh, just to give you an idea of how rare it is for, a, uh, an American studio film to win Golden Lion, uh, the Silver Lion for Best Director goes to Roy Addison's About Endlessness, uh, which is a, uh, foreign film. I actually, I should have looked, I don't know off the top of my head where About Endlessness is from, though I have heard good things about it, um. Best Actress went to Ariane uh, S. Oh boy, I have to say names. Askaride, uh, Ariane Askaride for Gloria Mundi. Uh, Best Actor went to Luca Marinelli for Martin Eden. Uh, It sounds Italian to me, uh, so I'm going to say it's an Italian film. Uh, Just a lot of foreign films. Uh, Screenplay went to Number Seven Cherry Lane uh, for uh, Yon Fan. And the special jury prize went to The Mafia is No Longer What It Used to Be, uh, which is, I think, directed by Franco Maresco. Um, and yeah, so that's so very, I mean, none of those are American films. None of those are films in our studio system. Um, so I just really, I mean, it is very rare for a big budget studio film to win uh, uh to win Golden Lion. I mean, even The Shape of Water uh, was not that, um, did not have that big of a budget behind it, even though it was a studio film. Uh, And it also had an international director. Both Shape of Water and Roma had international directors behind it to kind of help it garner acclaim uh, in Venice um, when they won those awards. Uh, Let's see, Toronto, TIFF. TIFF um, is going on right now as we speak. Uh, the big news out of TIFF uh, is the film Just Mercy, uh, which stars Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan. Uh, it's a story about uh, Michael B. Jordan is a uh, an attorney in the South, uh, and he is trying to fix the criminal justice system in Alabama, uh, with a death row inmate who is Jamie Foxx. Uh, the film also stars the wonderful Brie Larson. Um, and it's directed by uh, Destin Daniel Cretton, who directed Short Term 12. Um, and he was also a co-writer of the screenplay. Um, it received two standing ovations at TIFF uh, and is has been... The film that seems to be the favorite for the prestigious audience award, uh, which famously or infamously uh, Green Book won last year, uh, and that really started its uh, its Oscar push, uh, because the Toronto the TIFF audience award uh, that winner has won Best Picture like I think four of the last ten years or something, with Green Book being one of them. 
Um, and I think nine of those 10 films have been nominated uh, for Best Picture. Um, Golden Lion for Venice has a has a very similar track record as well, at least for films getting nominated for Best Picture. Um, so these are definitely things to keep an eye on, films to follow. Um, uh, I wanted to mention that uh, at, at TIFF, uh, Sony Pictures Classics bought French Exit, the new film starring uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Lucas Hedges. And I mentioned that because in our last episode when we were, when we were talking about Yellow Rose, at the very end of it, uh, Peter and I were speculating – uh, or at least after the um, after the fe- the episode was done, Peter and I were speculating over who uh, was going to buy Yellow Rose. We do not know at this point who's going to buy Yellow Rose. I was hoping Sony Pictures Classics would buy it because uh, they have a very, at least before they bought French Exit, uh, had a very sparse uh, awards season slate this year and could have given it a lot of money. They still can. Uh, but even even after buying French Exit, because they're, they're still relatively sparse, usually these studios will have multiple Best Picture contenders, um, or at least films that they will try and uh, get attention, uh, Best Picture attention. But this does make it a little harder for a film like Yellow Rose, um, at least in my hopes that it would be bought by Sony Pictures Classics. But uh, we'll see. Who buys Yellow Rose? We'll be following that with great interest. Uh, Diane Paragas mentioned that it was purchased by one of the four biggest studios in the country, uh, which obviously Sony would be in. Uh, so, but we'll see. That's all we could say is we'll see. Um, out of Telluride, uh, which is also ongoing, a couple big films have debuted, including uh, The Two Popes, uh, which has gotten rave reviews, uh, as has Judy. Uh, the new Judy Garland biopic, um, Motherless Brooklyn, and Waves, which we had a trailer for before, uh, or we mentioned that there was a trailer for. The, that seems to be Waves and um, uh, The Lighthouse seem to be A24's two big awards films or awards contenders this year um, that they're really going to be pushing, which is kind of unfortunate. That I, I have a feeling that uh, The Farewell is going to be forgotten uh by a24 because for one they're a small studio still and don't have an unlimited budget like a netflix or a sony um but also just because it it seems to have kind of lost a bit of traction and everywhere outside of la uh since its release um and so i think waves and um the lighthouse are going to be the two the two films a24 pushing this year uh also uh, 4v Ferrari debuted at Telluride, and that was um, uh, Mark Malkin had a quote uh, saying that sources uh, th- he has sources that say Fox will likely put bail up for best actor and Matt Damon for best supporting actor uh, out of 4v Ferrari. There was a lot of buzz that those performances are worth uh, uh, worth Oscar consideration, uh, as is as was Jamie Fox and. Um, uh, Michael B. Jordan for uh, Just Mercy. Um, and uh, what's her name? Out of Judy. Um, uh, Renee Zellweger uh, from Judy um, as also getting uh, a lot of awards attention. So whew, this is, it's a fun time. This is, this is when we start hearing the buzz and then us, our, our plebeian selves here in the um, 
uh, in the normal film community will get to experience the buzz ourselves in like two months when all of these films get hit theaters the same weekend. <laughs> so look forward to that. Um, anyway, oh yeah, I want, one other thing I wanted to mention out, out of TIFF. Um, one of the uh, at one of the conversations that happened at TIFF um, at, at a panel, uh, the, the director's Fortnite programmer at Cannes, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but uh, pa- Paolo Moretti, uh, he made a note uh, that he feels that French filmmakers need to find common ground with Netflix and other emerging streaming players rather than erect barriers to change. Um, so that that to me is kind of big because, I mean, for those that don't know, Cannes has had beef with Netflix for the last couple of years. Uh, nothing that plays a can uh, has been a, has been allowed to come from Netflix because it has to be in French cinemas for three months, and Netflix never uh, lets a film be in theaters more than a month uh, before it goes right to uh, the streaming platform. So this is a, a major figure uh, within the Cannes camp, uh, the Cannes camp. <laughs> Let's try saying that ten times fast. Um, coming out and saying that the um, uh, that that can should put aside its differences with Netflix and allow those films to be contenders. Um, that would be huge. Yeah, it, I mean, it would help make Can more relevant because I feel like outside of uh, of honestly of the Lighthouse, which didn't even play at Can, it played at the uh, at the Quizan, uh well, the director's Fortnite that was in concurrency with Can. Um, it, it's um, yeah, I mean, there, I feel like. Parasite is almost certainly going to win Best Foreign Film, uh, but that was it. Like that's the only film that that made its premiere at Cannes. Well, I guess Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but that doesn't really count because it's Tarantino and Tarantino is, right. yeah, carries it on his with his own name. Um, but that's yeah, that's it. That's all. And and infamously last year, had Cannes allowed Netflix films to play, they would have gotten Roma. Uh, they would have been the premiere for Roma. Instead, it, it premiered at Venice and won the Golden Line and should have won Best Picture. Um, so, yeah, I should I should mention, I kind of mixed this up a little bit, but just to correct myself, uh, the director's Fortnite programmer, uh, Paolo Moretti, he is not affiliated with the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, the director's Fortnite is the Quizan. It runs in concurrency with Cannes, it, but it is not Cannes. Um, so... It's it's kind of a major figure being like, hey, can I know this benefits us uh, by you not playing Netflix films, uh, but you should play Netflix films because it will help us all be more relevant and make more money. Uh, so, yeah, I just I just want to mention that I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but that's that's our that's our little festival roundup. We'll keep uh, the in the next week. Uh, TIFF and Telluride should drop their awards, uh, including, of course, the TIFF Audience Award. Uh, uh, Audience Awards should come out, uh, I think, by the time we record our next episode. I I actually don't know if we might be recording our episode next week as the TIFF Awards get announced. So we'll uh, maybe we'll kind of intersperse that throughout the uh, throughout our podcast recording. Um, Anyway, moving on. uh, Other news. Uh, we'll lead off with uh, Amber Heard is looking to toss the uh, fifty million defamation uh, fifty million dollar defamation suit uh, Johnny Depp filed against her 
she's looking to get that dismissed with Times Up, uh, Times Up's Legal Defense Fund co-founder Roberta Kaplan. <laughs> I could not say that any faster than that. Uh, that's a tongue twister. Uh, but yeah, Johnny Depp is a jerk, and if you still like Johnny Depp, you're allowed to be wrong, and you should change that because he's a jerk. Uh, and he's suing Amber Heard because she said mean things that were completely true about him, and he doesn't like that. <laughs> so hopefully they'll get this dis dismissed, uh, especially now that Time's Up is getting directly involved. Um, but we'll see. Um, hey, hey, Julie, do you want to read the next bit of news? Do you want to freak out about the next yes. bit of news? Yes. You, you, you go for it. Go for it, girl. And, of course, you, you abbreviated. Jake. My dogs oh, dogs mate. Yep, they're they're excited as well. Stylish. Um, it says JT, aka Justin Timberlake. Never heard of him. <laughs> Love him. Um, <laughs> to star in upcoming drama Palmer, a blacklist film. Yes. I'm excited. And I I am excited because this this is an, yet another major bit of uh, uh, of progress for bla the blacklist, uh, which is a wonderful platform that allows uh like rookie first time uh studio or writers to get their scripts discovered um essentially can like i could write a write a script and submit it to the blacklist and they'll take a look at it and decide if it's good enough to actually make the blacklist is um, this a hint is yes what you're doing no no it, I, I wish <laughs> could you get justin to star in it please i'll, I'll do my best i'll put in a good word <laughs> um but yeah, so that's exciting. Um, I don't really know anything about the film itself, Palmer, other than the fact that it, the script was a blacklist script. Um, it's yeah. Justin. I'll be there. Yeah, right. Probably twice. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's see what else we got. We got... Um, all right, good news and bad news here. Uh, good news is Hollywood blockbusters last year featured record number of lead roles for women and people of color. Um so that's great. I granted the bar for that was extremely low, but uh, we did we did better. We did better. So, but on the flip side, uh, uh, cr the Crazy Rich Asians sequel uh, lost one of its co-writers, Adele Lim. Uh, she left the sequel when she found out that uh, Warner Brothers' starting offer to her male screenwriter co counterpart was somewhere between 800000 and $1 million, while hers was in the $110,000-plus range. So a little bit of a pay disparity between them, just just a tiny one. Um, also, I should... It was should, such a good movie, the first one. It was such a good movie that it just it hurts to see that it's there's such a big difference. It really does, yeah. it's And, and a film that, that promotes uh, equality and... Um, yeah it's it's very open and honest and and loving to to have that big of a disparity between its two writers or at least for the sequel uh is very depressing well and, um, and good for her for taking a stand yeah, and exactly leaving. i mean that's a huge thing to do um but that's yeah that's nine hundred thousand dollar difference yeah it's ridiculous I mean, we, I, I don't make that much, um, <laughs> but like, if I were in her shoes too, and I saw the difference between myself and a counterpart, I would be upset too. Yeah. So. Yeah, hey. for sure. 
Good for her. And also have to give credit to Rebecca Ford, uh, THR, the, the Hollywood Reporters Awards Editor. Um, that's where that's where I got those numbers from. Um, she has sources that, that tell her that and have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, so great job to her for getting that information. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah, so that sucks. Uh, it makes me sad. Um, the bikers outside think they're really upset by it, too. <laughs> they sound very intense. Yeah, yeah. There are people, there are bikers really that, nice. there are bikers that just joyride through, uh, through downtown Cincinnati at 10 o'clock at night, and I don't understand why. Um, why don't you do that at 1 o'clock in the afternoon? Like, why, why do you have to do it now? But, uh, anyway. Uh, one other bit of news before you do it, our final little box office recap. Uh, Gabriel Carteris, uh, was reelected SAG after president. Um, she fended off a challenge from Matthew Modine, not other than Matthew Modine and others. I find that funny. I, I associate Matthew Modine with like the eighties and nineties. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, uh, he staged, a uh, a challenge because he was upset with how Gabriel has, has, uh, run SAG after, but uh, not enough other people in SAG after were were with them, so <laughs> she's still there. She's still the POTUS. So one one victory for women, right? <laughs> Hopefully, there's more. But we, we'll take what we can get. Yeah. <laughs> Stella agrees. Yeah. Uh, final thing for this week: uh, box office. Our weekly box office recap. Uh, it's it's kind of funny to me. So the last couple of weeks, Angel has fallen has won at the box office by posting like. 20 million dollar weeks which for bo- the box office is really bad um and you i could just kind of tell that that my th- big m- local cineplexes were excited for it chapter two to hit uh theaters because they gave it chapter two like half of the screens at our local amc and they have like 20 screens um yeah, I think a, a lot of theaters did that. Yeah, there were there were legit screenings every thirty minutes on Saturday, and I was because uh, I was like planning out my day, and I'm like, all right, when am I going to go see it? Chapter two, and like I always just check just to be sure, like okay, you know, if there's a screening at three, then the next one's at six. Like I have to kind of plan around. Um, but no, this one it was three four thirty. Yeah, every thirty minutes. Uh, and it turned out, uh, turned out 91 mil as a result, uh, obviously number one at the box office, uh, with its 91 million makes me happy. makes me hope that there are more big budget horror films because we need all of the big budget horror films. Um, but it did open under what it, the original it, uh, 2017's it opened with, which was, I think somewhere around 115 mil, uh, somewhere around there, 110 um so yeah but it chapter two also opened with like almost 200 mil overseas so it's fine (laughs) it's making its money back um and yeah to give you an idea of what uh the local multiplexes look like right now in second place is angel has fallen with a meager six million dollars uh, so that's the difference between first and second place right now. Just a little, just a cool 85 mil. Um, 
third place was Good Boys, the uh, the comedy with Jacob Tremblay that I still haven't seen but really want to because it's Jacob Tremblay and he's playing a bad boy and I'm very excited for that. <laughs> it opened with 5.4 mil. Uh, the Lion King is still is still in the top five. Uh, it's in fourth now. It's still it, king. It's still it's still there. It's like the ninth highest grossing film of all time now or something uh, with 4.2 mil. I should have looked, but I would like to see in that top ten how many of those films are Disney films. I would. I'm. I have no idea. All of them. <laughs> it I, might. I don't actually know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say like seven. Majority. I, yeah, I was gonna say six or seven. But um, yeah, if Peter were here, he would look and tell us. But instead, he's not. So we're just gonna keep going. <laughs> in fifth place was Overcomer with 3.75 mil. And uh, rounding out our we'll do top six this week was Hobbs and Shaw with $3.72 million. Um, so, yeah, Julie, you got any anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap it up here? I was actually just looking at something because I was thinking, I wonder why it Chapter 2 was down so much. And part of me thought that it's possible that... Um, Chapter one came out closer to Halloween, but so I went to uh, look. I think they came out the exact same weekends. It did. It yeah. two days apart. So it came out um, September sixth. No, no, it came out September eighth, two thousand seventeen. Today being the eighth, um, so a difference of just under two years. Um, but that it's interesting because. I would think that they would have moved it closer to Halloween, just association. I clearly am not going to go see those movies, so it's never piqued my interest. Um, But I always associate some of these types of films with Halloween. Um, Yeah. And so I've always wondered, like, you know, maybe thinking about it wouldn't have come out closer to Halloween, but it was interesting to see that it was the same weekend. So I will kind of nerd out here for a second um, and and go a little in-depth on box office and, and why films release when. Um, the worst month for films, bar none, is January. That's, that's the notorious dump month. The second worst month is August. Uh, Disney has changed that. A little bit in like studios have recognized that August is t- the traditional summer dump dump month. Um, and so we'll get a big budget like we'll get a Marvel film that comes out the first week of August and then it will just own all four weeks of August. It'll be the number one film all four weeks. Um, this year we didn't really get that. Uh, we didn't get a, a mega hitter. Because we got so many others earlier in the summer. Right. Uh, yeah, the biggest yeah the biggest thing we got was The Lion King, which came out at what the end of July and, and has been in the top five for a month and a half now. Um, but as a result, uh, the first or the first week like after Labor Day weekend, the first week after Labor Day weekend is a traditional uh, one big budget film, usually a horror film, will drop. Uh, this weekend, like I, I'm just going off the top of my brain. Uh, I would think Halloween, the uh, the Halloween remake came out close to this this same weekend. Uh, I think last year, whenever it came out, uh, or if it came out the same uh, the same year as the first, it it would have come out maybe a month from now. But um, 
yeah, there's usually a big budget film that comes out right now this weekend. Um, so, and usually it's it's something that kind of is like, all right, Halloween is coming. Like we're getting, you know, pumpkin spice lattes are are in Starbucks. So here's your here's your scary movie that actually has a budget. Here's um, your clown movie. Yeah, here's your clown movie. So that's just that's usually how studios go. Um, they do that first week of September. Then we'll get we'll get something. We'll kind of be calm for the next three weeks, uh, and then the first like we'll let it chapter two make its money uh, and give it space. And then around the first week of October will be when things really start to ramp up with awards films. And and personally, I I like I don't like this formula. I think. The problem, uh, like so many studios hold their awards film for December and, and you know, like, like A24 is going to release The Lighthouse the first week of September. Uh, and it's because, because, what? You said September. December. Uh, first week of December, sorry. Uh, and they should be releasing it here in the next week or two, in my opinion. Uh, or, or like around October 1st, somewhere, somewhere here in the next month. Um, because it's such, it's more of a psychological horror film, but they're doing it at the end of first week of December because they want to get, get this big awards campaign for Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. I don't think because, but by releasing in December, they're releasing it with 400 other awards films. I, I mean, all the films that we talked about in TIFF and Venice and Telluride, all these films are releasing, um, actually I think Joker is the next big budget film that we're getting, uh, but yeah, they're all releasing in the next two, three months. Like the time is right now to, to drop your film. In my opinion, you just run the risk of having something like the farewell happen to you where you release it and it's like, Oh my God, this movie's great. But two weeks later, we've forgotten about it because it's pumpkin spice latte season and it's time to watch it. Chapter two. Um, Anyway, that's my that's my little soapbox for a second. So yeah, this upcoming weekend we get Hustlers, which I'm very excited about, and they are kind of yeah. I I mean that seems like a film that could make some awards waves, but um, oh oof. Oh, okay, there's no. Uh, we also get the Goldfinch that comes out next weekend. Um, I forgot about that. Um, though I shouldn't because. My God, when I was in LA, there were so many uh, advertisements for the Goldfinch, like hundreds of billboards and park benches and like, advertising the Goldfinch in LA. Like they are really gearing that for an awards release. So they're they're trying to do an hard awards, push. yeah, hard push for an awards film on September thirteenth. Um, we'll see if it works. You know, if it works, that might lead to some people, yeah, people uh, more awards films getting released in the first week of of September and trying to keep resonate through the 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 the, the rest of the season. Yeah. So next week we've got Hustlers and the Goldfinch both coming out. Uh, the week after that is Ad Astra, uh, uh, the new Brad Pitt film, as well as uh, Rambo: First Blood, which no one's going to go see. Because nobody wants that. Uh, the following week, the 27th, is uh, uh, the new Chadwick Boseman film, 21 Bridges, which we've talked about on this podcast, as well as Judy. I think that's its um, 
uh, September or it's it's LA New York release and then it goes wide over the next month or so. Okay. Um, and then yeah, then October fourth is Joker. So as well as Lucy in the Sky. Ooh, that's a that's a that's a busy week. Um, that's a double feature weekend. Hopefully yeah. it's cold. Yeah. I live in the north now. It'll be cold. It'll be cold. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's our show. Uh, I we should stop. Um, Oh, and we should also point out how Brittany Runs a Marathon comes out on the 13th as well. Um, I feel bad for Amazon because their uh, their Sundance purchases have all tanked to this point. Uh, and I kind of have a feeling Brittany Runs a Marathon is going to do the same thing, unfortunately, even though it looks great and it has a 90% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I've, I've only heard great things about it. Uh, but this is a weird year for studios and purchasing... Um, purchasing films out of these festivals um i don't know if we've just reached that point where we've the 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 supply has exceeded the demand uh or amazon just got way too aggressive at sundance and spent way more money than they should have it's amazon Uh, so i'm gonna guess it was way too aggressive yeah but um we'll see we'll see how britney runs marathon does uh but I, they they did not pick a good week weekend for it because it's coming out the same weekend as Hustlers, which is the exact same demographic, like or almost identical uh, demographic that would go see those films, and they're only going to pick one. And I'm uh, going to see Hustlers. Exactly. Case closed. Although, if it's on Amazon, it'll be on Amazon in a month or so. So they, I'll see it in a month or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it's just. I, there have been stories of studios kind of rubber, rubber banding after the failures of Sundance properties this year, um, or, or the perceived failures of Sundance properties this year. Uh, they, they've rubber banded and have been extremely conservative with films out of Telluride and TIFF and Venice uh, that do not already have a distributor behind them. Um, so, like, honestly, I've, I've searched through... And like the only major film that I could find that that had a significant amount of money bo- uh, behind it was that Sony Pictures Classics purchase of French Exit. Um, uh, like that's the only one that I've seen uh, out of these three festivals. I'm sure there are more that I haven't seen, but uh, it's just yeah, it's just a rubber band effect. Um, and it'll be complete when Britney runs a marathon, probably, unfortunately, depressingly tanks, uh, undeservedly so. Uh, we need to end on a high note. Um, how are we going to end on a high note? Justin Timberlake's going to be back in theaters. Yes. I think he's a good actor. I, I really I, – I, we watched uh, The Social Network a, a couple weeks ago. Um, and I was like, oh, that's right. Justin Timberlake is really good. And he plays this character that he as a person would hate. And he makes him charming and charismatic and 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 – lovable even though he's a he's an asshole <laughs> like I'd... so let's let's talk about your favorite justin timberlake role what would be your favorite because i feel like there's one that is people don't really like appreciate it what what's that in time in time i was wondering if you were going to say in time you know you know why such a good movie you all right you know why you think End Time is such a good movie? 
I, this is the part where you say why because uh, <laughs> this is the part where you say why why I'm sorry <laughs> it was shot by Roger Deakins the cinematographer of End Time is Roger Deakins oh well, yeah I mean that, it was it was such a good movie of all the movies I mean he was in what Alpha Dog and The Social Network and yeah there's there's other movies I mean Trolls for kids <laughs> Trolls um Lol. But in time was one of those movies where I didn't expect to really enjoy, it, and I did. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I didn't like it as much as you did in time, though. It I do remember when I watched it in theaters, still not really knowing my love of film. I remember thinking, "Oh my god, this film was beautiful! Like, this is how films should look." Same thing as uh, I watched Skyfall, and I realized after the fact that both of those films were shot by Roger Deakins. So he's he good. Roger Deakins is good. <laughs> um, my mine would be still The Social Network, um, and it's partially because I think The Social Network is one of the most influential films of this decade. Um, I still remember watching it in I mean, it's theaters. Huge, it, it's a huge, huge pop culture type situation. With a, that with, anybody alive at this point can relate to. Right. And it has a once-in-a-lifetime collaboration between David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin. Uh, that's something that has never happened before and will likely never happen again. Um, those two collaborating on a film. Um, Ooh, another good Justin Timberlake. Yes, I brought him up on INDB. Trouble with the Curve. That was also a really good movie. I did not like that film. And I love my baseball films. I, but I, I despise that film. I love baseball films. I can't stand how Clint Eastwood uh, approached that. Uh, 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 approached the, the the topic of scouting. Baseball scouting. Moneyball did it so much better. <laughs> Another Aaron Sorkin I, film. I agree with that. It, yeah. they, were, they were both good trouble with the curve i i remember watching it i was on a vacation on a cruise and it was one of the like four movies that looped through the entire week and i only saw parts of it each time i got back to the room to pass out <laughs> so i over like a week i saw the entire movie it was great yeah it made me happy Every yeah time i came back to the room justin timberlake was there for me it, it it was yeah i didn't i didn't like it but it, it's also it's also because i'm a big baseball fan and <clears throat> that that film takes an old school scouting approach, uh, whereas something like Moneyball is like you know really what baseball is all about nowadays is stats and outsmarting your opponent. What the movie was about? Well, no, Trouble with the Curve. Trouble with the Curve was was about how a scout could like hear a pitch and how it was caught and be like, okay, this this is a real pitcher or something like. You just had the baseball senses, and he outsmarts the statistician. I remember, I specifically remember there was a subplot in that film where the the the, the scout outsmarts the statistician, and he like and and, and it literally yeah, was like a bull. About. It was like a bully moment where it's like you and your computer, and you're like like this 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 the statistician was like trying to find something and like couldn't find it in all of in in, in all of his spreadsheets and and the scout just laughs at him and it's like come on this is the same this is coming from the same dude who just yelled at a chair and pr- pretended that that was Barack Obama like get out of here get out of here with that crap same same goes for the dogs <laughs> I think she wants to go potty. I can't really tell. She might just be barking at the puppy in the TV. 
Well, we'll take that as our moment to leave. Uh, so, yes, thank you all for joining us this week and joining our discussion. We will be back here next week. Uh, Peter will be back, hopefully, and uh, we'll see you then. Peace out.